Hello and welcome to the Swim England East Region podcast and episode 12. My name is Kevin and I'm the Regional Swimming Talent Officer and will be hosting today's discussion. Hopefully you are already following us on all our social media feeds, but if not, please make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Swim England East Region. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Jasmine Campbell, who is our sports nutritionist for the Regional Development Programme. As with our other Q&A sessions, we've got live questions coming in from athletes and parents all across the region. This is the third of three episodes where we have live Q&As, so make sure you check out our psychology and SNC episodes if you're yet to do so. The link to the presentation that preceded this discussion is in the show notes, and make sure you click subscribe to the podcast so you're up to date as we launch more episodes. If you like what you hear, also give us a quick review. So let's get started with episode 12 of the podcast. It's a live Q&A and we are in conversation with Jasmine Campbell, this time talking all things nutrition. You'll notice at the start a slight delay in Jasmine joining the conversation, a power cut slowing down her efforts to get online. So I kick off the questions straight away with our swimmers relatively seamlessly until Jazz joins us. I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, swimmers, uh, welcome um, for our final call of this week. It's um, it's been a very interesting week with lots of, of different questions coming in. Um, Jazz, our nutritionist, is actually having trouble logging in at the moment, but that's fine because she will be with us shortly. Um, I can see lots of questions coming in already, which is really good. And also, we've had obviously a lot of questions over the last couple of days with people dropping in. Uh, questions in advance which has been fantastic so we've obviously sent those over and so I think one of the things that uh, Jazz is going to talk about with us tonight is making sure that everybody understands that nutrition is very much an individual thing so whilst there are some principles I guess that we all try and uh, work from is that everyone is going to be different and so it's not everyone should eat this or everyone should do that um, we're going to talk about some basic principles, but actually, um, as you looked, or hopefully as you've all watched the video, you will have seen that it was very much a, uh, a relaxed approach um, and it wasn't everyone should do a certain thing. So I'm going to scroll through the chat box just to get us started. Um, so Jazz will joining us in a minute. Um, we've already got a question coming in about how much water should you drink during a session. Now, hydration is a huge part of nutrition it really makes a big difference. So every single swimmer should be taking a drinks bottle to their swimming sessions, uh, preferably a bigger one, not one of the tiny little stubby ones, but, you know, at least probably a litre. Um, and, and the reason for that, it makes you lose so much water when you swim, which a lot of people aren't aware of because obviously you don't feel like you're sweating when you swim. But as disgusting as it sounds, you actually are. And I think that's a, a really important thing for us to remember that we are losing water when we swim. So you've got to replenish it because as much as your muscles need it, your brain needs it and your body just to actually process energy and process everything else that goes on inside it needs water. So I would say if you're doing a standard one hour session, I would have at least a three quarters of a litre bottle. And if you're doing a full two hours, certainly for, for swimmers when they're starting to swim every single day, you're probably going to go through two one litre bottles within a session. And that doesn't mean a uh, hundred milliliters all the way through. And then when you get in the changing rooms, dropping the whole thing um, at the end, because obviously you might get indigestion or it might make you feel sick. So I think it's really important that swimmers are, are very mindful of that. Um, the, I've got a question coming in about supplements already, which I know again, Jazz will talk about, but actually for, for our youngsters, we are talking about a very much a food first approach. Uh, unless you've got any specific deficiencies that are medically advised and your doctor says you need to take a specific supplement, there's absolutely no need to be taking additional supplements. So uh, I think uh, the model that not just in swimming, but all young sports practitioners or practitioners to say that work with young athletes talk about making sure that it is a food first approach. Uh, we've just got a few more people joining us in the waiting room now. So excuse us for a second. Um, okay. Uh, I hope that answers the question about 
protein shakes, but I would include all supplements in that, not just protein shakes. We, we shouldn't be taking anything in addition that shouldn't really be able to be met by our diet. Uh, most of us have pretty wide, varied diets, I'm sure. Um, okay, we've got obviously we have quite a few questions coming in about, uh, and not just tonight, but in previous nights, about before racing, before training, after racing, and all those sorts of things. And I think it's really important for swimmers to understand that again it's going to be an individual thing so i know some swimmers that on their usual um competition days won't eat maybe over an hour an hour and a half before they race so it's going to be very different but then you'll have some swimmers that might actually like like a small snack maybe half an hour 45 minutes before they race it's going to be different for everybody and it's the same thing afterwards some swimmers get out of the water and immediately want to eat something uh, some swimmers like to swim down have a shower and then go and eat something so i think in terms of timings to start with it's going to be different for everybody in terms of actually what you're eating um something jazz talked about in the video i believe was things with a, a, a low glycemic index and a high glycemic index and actually understanding that when you're eating things it's not just they're all the same there are some things that you can eat that will give you uh, lots of sugar or carbohydrates if we're going to go into the more technical terms and there are other things that might actually be quite fatty for example you're probably not going to 45 minutes before a race eat a big bacon and sausage roll but you might have a banana okay so again it's it's not just talking about when you're eating things but actually thinking about what you're eating and again that's going to be different for everyone because you all like eating different things so i think that's um that's another area for us to to consider uh, a couple more people in our waiting room we're up to 45 people already this is great um i'm still getting messages from jazz trying to get in having a technology meltdown at the moment but it's fine luckily I'm reasonably experienced in the world of nutrition, so I'll keep us going for now. Um, a couple of things in terms of actually before and after, and this is something that I, I cannot emphasize enough. Don't wait until the big important meet to figure out what you eat running into or immediately after a race. And why I say that is because most of us, okay, if we discount the time we're in at the moment but usually in a season your most important meet isn't going to be the first meet that you swim in september or october what it might actually be is for example counties or regionals and you might have 10 or 15 or 20 different competitions before you get to that really important meet so actually for swimmers something to think about is i've got a small competition coming up it could even be club championships or level x like we've got just started now and actually it's a great opportunity to try out different things that you think work for you and what you'll find is that sometimes things don't work for you and that's okay you learn from it as we said about last night on the psychology stuff and then we move on and change going forwards but what i would say to everyone out there is making sure that when you get to the the most important meet of the year if you like you want to have your routine absolutely nailed down Okay, so you know that an hour before you race, you have a snack. You know that if you've got a morning session, you need to get up at seven o'clock to have breakfast. And, you know, say it's going to be different for everybody. But again, use this time we've got now to kind of practice and refine those skills. Um, okay, uh, we're going to start scrolling through some more of these questions. Is it best to have energy bars and protein bars after a swim race or something else now i think if you actually look at what's in an energy bar actually look at you know the the different food sources that are within it then actually some of those things can be homemade in you know different snacks or sandwiches or again it's going to be different for everybody but you don't need to go and buy specific bottles of lucasade big expensive protein bars that say they do all these amazing things because actually what they have in them is some carbohydrates, usually some protein, and then maybe a little bit of fats and then some nutrients. But actually, you can get that from just normal food. And when I say that, kind of fresh ingredients where you actually make things at home. So they do not, uh, certainly at your age, uh, need to become a necessity. Now, it's different if you're a professional athlete, you're traveling around the world, you're in parts of the world where you don't know what food is going to be available and all those sorts of things. They're really handy in those types of situations. But certainly when 
mum and dad are still packing your lunchbox, I think it's really, really important for us to realise that most of what we need, both pre-race and post-race, can be got from just a completely normal diet. Okay, um, got a, a question that's come in about eating during a competition. Now, this is obviously going to be different depending on the type of competition. So if we talk about a league as a great example, I might see an athlete on poolside eating pasta okay, at a, a, a competition where they're only going to be there for like two hours and they're swimming 350s. Okay, now that's probably not the most appropriate thing to eat because something like pasta is quite a starchy food and it actually takes quite a while to digest. So what then happens is that actually your body is trying to digest food whilst you're actually trying to prepare for a race. And you don't want those two things really happening simultaneously. You want all of that to have been done quite a long time beforehand. Now, if we take something like regionals where you might swim at 10 o'clock in the morning, and one o'clock in the afternoon, and then the final start at six o'clock in the evening. Now there's a bit of a window there, maybe four or five hours between sessions sometimes or between your races. Um, so I think what's really important for all of us, again, to think about is actually when I say eating during a competition, what do I actually mean by that? And again, I think that's going to be different for everybody. Now, I'm extremely happy to say that Jazz has finally managed to get out of the waiting room. Jazz, how are we doing? Hello there. How are you? Are you OK? Good. I'm so sorry to keep everyone waiting. I had an absolute nightmare. I think they're doing something electrical on my street. So I've been running around like Hella's Chicken trying to get online. <laughs> That's okay. The good thing is we've already got through a few questions using my basic masters-based knowledge. So I think we, we've covered a few things already. We've talked about food first. We've talked about the difference is for different people. So sometimes on race day, someone might like eating a little closer to a race. Some people leave massive gaps. Uh, we've talked about supplements because I've said really with our young athletes, we're looking at a food first approach and the first question I've got to you is what would you recommend before an early morning session over to you okay well that's um probably my favorite questions because again like you said it comes down to the individual and I think probably swimming has it really difficult and if we think as ourselves what can we stomach at that time in the morning probably it's not a lot and I think it's very stressful when you're dropping off a young person at swimming thinking they haven't had anything to eat and they're going to go and do a really hard training session. Um, but what we have to remember is that if they have eaten well after their last session, maybe that might be the night before or the previous day that morning, if they've eaten well, then they should have enough energy stored to support that training session. So maybe they can't stomach very much, but they'll be all right. It might be that they sort of struggle a little bit towards the end. Um, if they can stomach something small, then I like to use liquids because they're easily emptied out of your stomach. So for example, even if they can just have a small glass of juice or a cup of milk um, or just a, one slice of toast, that's better than nothing. So try, try that first. Um, but definitely go for the liquids. And then it's really important when they finish that morning session that they um, then refuel really well afterwards. Brilliant. Um, there's a couple more questions that have come in about supplements. I don't know if you just want to expand a little bit more. I very much touched on the basics and that was it. Yeah, that's fine. So, um, so what we have to remember is that supplements supplement our diet. Um, so what we want to try, like what Kevin said earlier, is we want to try and get everything that we need from food first. The issue with supplements is that if we think, oh, I need calcium, so I'm going to supplement calcium, or I need protein, so I'm going to supplement protein. When we consume them only in the form of, say, protein, we're actually missing all the important vitamins and minerals that we get if we ate a whole protein source from something like chicken, fish, um, tofu, something like that. So actually limiting what we're having. Um, the biggest issue with supplements is that they contain a contaminant risk. And what's really scary is if you think about the difference between medication and supplements, with medication, um, what is in the ingredients is in the product. With supplements, it's not the case. So we don't actually definitely know what is in the product. What is says in the ingredients is what we hope is in there. There's nothing actually that verifies that for us. So what might happen is that that supplement might be made in a factory that has used to process steroids or an illegal stimulant or something like that. Um, that's illegal for an athlete. So we really want to protect them from consuming anything that we 
we don't want them to that could have a negative impact on them when they're older. Jazz, just kind of picking up on that a little bit, because obviously most of the athletes in here are quite young, but we talk a little bit there about uh, banned substances and things like that. And actually, can you just kind of flesh that out a little bit as to what, not necessarily at this age, but I mean, a lot of swimmers are probably this weekend going to be watching the ISL and all those swimmers there are going to be tested every single week for what we call banned substances. Yep. So those banned substances are substances that could potentially enhance performance and they'll be tested to such a high level that could be almost, I guess, the equivalent of maybe a paracetamol tablet in an Olympic sized swimming pool. So they might not have enough of a substance to actually enhance their performance, but if they even get a tiny little bit of something that is on the ban list, then they could um, be excluded from competition. And it's actually really horrible consequences. They'll uh, potentially be banned from anything from two to four years or indefinitely from competing. And then it just carries around a really horrible stigma, even if they did it by accident, which is normally the case. So I think uh, for our youngsters out there, we're not in any way trying to panic you. But hopefully things like the ISL and stuff like that are going to become more commonplace in the years ahead. So perhaps by the time you're 17 or 18 or 19, you're competing on an international stage, you will be subject to testing. And again, if you know that you've had, you know, fresh foods with with no supplements and, and nothing that you're not sure where it's come from and what's in it, it's um, you can be much more confident. So it's, again, just starting, I guess, a really good habit when they're young. Is that what we'd probably say, Jazz? Yeah, I think so. And also, if we look at supplements, they probably only give us a one maximum percent improvement in performance. So someone who's at the ISL who um, has been trained for many years, who probably has fantastic nutrition already and gets a lot of it, what they need from food first and they eat the right food at the right times. Then they might look at a supplement that could just push them that little bit further. Whereas for swimmers of this age, what would improve performance maybe 30% more is, you know, eating enough carbohydrate, fueling their training sessions. There's some much bigger wins from focusing on a food first approach and getting those foundations nailed. Okay. So just following on, I guess, like loosely attached to that, I've got a few questions already in about energy drinks and I'm assuming we're covering Red Bull, Monster, Lucasades, uh, Gatorade, all of those sorts of things. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, so there's a difference there. So we've got, if we put the the Red Bull, the Monster, um, I'm trying to think what else is similar to that. Probably like Kick and things like that, the supermarket-owned yeah. brand ones. Yeah, so they're in one box, and then we've got Lucasade um, in another box. So if we just think about the, the Monsters, Red Bulls, Kick, etc., those are energy drinks. They are normally fizzy. Um, they became, um, contain some vitamins and minerals and um, normally caffeine and another stimulant as well, taurine. Uh, the problem is that they can be quite addictive because of the caffeine in them. Sometimes they have a lot of sugar in them, so they have a lot of carbohydrate in them. So the idea is that, you know, it gives you the energy, the fuel, but also makes you feel really awake as well through the caffeine. And they're quite popular with... Um, maybe teenage swimmers who have done their morning session, they've done a long day at school and they know they've got an evening session, they're just feeling really tired. Those things are really attractive to them because they're going to get a kick from the caffeine and they'll get a boost from the sugar in, in the drink. So the problem with those is they're not actually tested products, um, same way that we'd want a supplement to be tested. Um, and also, if you're having caffeine that late in the day, you're gonna, it's going to have a negative impact on your sleep, whether it's going to um, make you not sleep as well, the quality, or it might take you longer to go to sleep too. And then I guess if we go to the Lucasade in the other box, yes, you can call it an energy drink. That is just carbohydrates, just sugar in that drink there. So um, potentially that might be quite useful if, for example, you're struggling to get a good carbohydrate source out and about or something and you know you need to refuel after a big session um that might be when you use it but um all you'll get is just carbohydrate in a very pure form but you wouldn't get anything for example if you had like a bowl of cereal you could get the same amount of carbohydrate but you get some other vitamins and minerals as well um too 
Okay, awesome. Um, I've got a lot of questions, although we've got lots of timing kind of questions on there, a lot of it comes down to snacks. So if we just kind of flesh out the, the subjects of snacks, and then I can start inserting some of the more details questions that we've got coming in. Yep, so um, snacks are fantastic for swimmers, especially growing swimmers. Two reasons, because they're growing, they just need so much energy. Um, to make somebody sit and eat that in three meals is going to be really labor intensive um, and it's going to take them a long time to get through it. They might not be able to eat it all because they'll be too full. So snacks are a really good way of drip feeding all that food. And the other reason snacks are great for young swimmers is because they've not got many eating opportunities and snacks provide extra eating opportunities throughout the day just because of their long day at school, lots of traveling and their training sessions. So do you want me to get, maybe give you an idea of some good snacks or potentially? Um, I'm, I'm just looking through the questions and there's quite a few that talk about before morning training or after evening training that are maybe a bit lighter or in between races that are a bit lighter. So I guess when we talk about snacks, I'm, we're almost talking about just like light mini meals, aren't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. So a snack is just like a meal, it's a feed. And um, so we need to think about what do we need at a certain time. So if we do around morning let's say you're able to have a little snack of some fruit juice uh, milk um maybe you manage a cereal bar or half a banana before morning training and afterwards again we want to have maybe another snack another feed and that could be a porridge pot um some overnight oats a small bagel or something that's got something in something like that um and then maybe in the evening after training so this is really common again that swimmers really struggle to eat after evening training um, they might lose their appetite a little bit because it was a hard session and they're tired um, and then also some swimmers do struggle to eat a large meal late in the evening and then go straight to sleep so again we might be able to be clever and do things like sort of mega smoothies i call them um, and the reason for this is the liquid is easier to digest and empty out of your stomach so you can make a almost like a meal in a smoothie um, for evening training. So it could be um, milk based. So a lot of vitamins and minerals, protein, carbohydrate. Um, and then it could have some oats in it, some honey, some banana, some frozen berries. Uh, it could be nice and sweet and refreshing. And then a swimmer can sort of chug that in the car on the way back from training. Then that means that they've gained some time when they get back in the house, they don't have to sit down and eat a meal which means that they get to bed sooner and then they can help with their recovery that way. So um, that's probably my, one of my favorite tips for the evening training session. And again, if you have got a long commute home in the evening, um, even if it's half an hour, there's no reason why the swimmer can't do their recovery feed and it could look like a few snacks rather than a sit down meal. Um, I definitely think swim parents always feel guilty like they should uh their swimmer should have a sit down breakfast a sit down lunch sit down dinner whereas in reality that's pretty impossible to happen so there's no reason why you can't have that evening meal that uh post-training dinner or recovery feed in the car on the way home and it might look like a series of snacks okay so i a thing there i i guess for swimmers is that some of this will come down to preparation i guess because if they know I know some just looking at some of the clubs on here, obviously they're, they're, they're quite spread out. Some are in quite rural areas and they maybe do travel 20, 30, 40 minutes to and from training sessions. So, you know, if they're getting out the pool at, let's say, nine o'clock at night, being able to have by 9.05 had a feed in whatever you want to call it, whether that's a sandwich, a smoothie, a piece of fruit, whatever it is whilst they're sitting in the car for those 20, 30, 40 minutes, their body is actually already going, thank you very much. I can start recovering. And I think looking at, say, a lot of the young swimmers on here, it's a great thing to get into a habit of planning ahead and making sure you've got enough supplies, if we want to call it that with you, whether it's an evening session, whether it's a morning session and you go straight to school or it's a competition and you can't go back to the hotel or go off to a restaurant. So, um, no, that's that's really, really fascinating. Um, we've got a lot of questions coming in, which is great. 29 currently. Um Okay, um, we've got lots of questions about snacks before race. Now, I mentioned briefly about things to do with glycemic indexes and sugar spikes before they get on the block. So do you just want to touch on that with a little bit more science than my waffling? 
Uh, I think you probably did a good job, Kevin. You've heard me talk enough about nutrition. You should be an expert now. Um, But yeah, that's absolutely right. So what we're trying to do, um, what we do around nutrition, around training day to day, which is the absolute bulk of our year, um, is, is, you know, um, is very different to what we do on competition day. Competition day is about being as comfortable as possible maintaining energy levels so that we can really focus on what we want to do race wise everyone always asks me oh what can I do to swim faster on race day what do I eat on race day what do I eat on race day and I think well actually if you think about all the other days of the year where you're doing your training that's where you can have your biggest improvements in performance by focusing on your nutrition around training so really what we can do nutrition wise on uh, race day is actually harm performance if we mess around with it too much. Um, and you might find with some of your swimmers that they actually what they're doing is what's right for them. They already know what, what to do in terms of how much to eat, when and what foods they prefer. So um, and I think one thing to be super sensitive of with your swimmer is that the level of anxiety or excitement that they're feeling at that race or that event um no is going to have an impact so um we need to be careful that we don't force them to eat more than they want um that might make them feel frustrated or irritated or slow them down because they feel too full um so really i think my The simplest tip is to, I say, nibble, nibble, sip, sip through race day. Um, So the reason for that is that it allows you to just take on as much as you need without being over full, over hydrated, anything like that. Um, Where we might focus a lot on eating all the colours of the rainbow, good fats, good sources of protein um, and obviously lots of carbohydrates in training days where that differs on race day is that yes we want carbohydrate we don't need it in the form of jelly babies or jelly cubes etc we just need some little um carbohydrate snacks that aren't gonna spike blood sugar massively um and that they're just like little snacks that we can have all the way throughout the day just to maintain that energy if your swimmer is doing a race for 40 seconds two minutes that's such a short distance that they're not completely depleting their energy stores so they don't need to massively fill them back up again um and then probably the last thing that i think that everyone forgets is when there's a lunch break on race day it's really important to remember that that lunch break is for the officials it's not for the swimmers let's give the officials a break and they will go off and eat sandwiches and pasta salads and stuff like that but the swimmer doesn't necessarily then have to eat lunch foods and eat what they would for lunch in terms of the portion size. So they might just have a few snacks over that hour, hour and a half period um, if they're hungry and they want to eat. So if we're looking, let's, I guess, if we flesh that out a little bit and say uh, two heat sessions at a competitions and then finals in the evening and they're swimming a couple of races in each one of those, then actually it could look like small breakfast snack, race number one, another small snack, race number two, maybe a slightly bigger snack as there's a bit more of a gap, then some more snacks in the afternoon. And we're saying snacks here, we're not meaning you know, um, something ridiculously unhealthy, but something that you can stomach between your races. But then you've got let's say you're at a regionals for example you're going to have let's say that competition finishes at eight o'clock and warm-ups not till eight o'clock the next day that's where you've got your 12-hour gap so it's it's really important we get our heads around this concept that the day that we usually have on a competition day is can be turned on its head a little bit so don't like i said the volume of time i go to competitions and i see swimmers at a two or three hour event eating pasta And I'm thinking, guys, this is not going to make any difference. If anything, it's going to slow you down. So actually just being mindful of what you're eating and when you're eating and when your windows are, I think is really, really helpful. So now that's really good insights there, Jazz. Thank you. Um, Right. Good couple of questions coming in directly to me here about vegetarian food and vegan food. Now, in terms of specifics, obviously, please go into some. But could you recommend a book? Because what I'm doing is I'm sending out resources next week once I've got all these together that have, I guess, a few additional resources for our swimmers and their parents. So if we're talking vegetarian and vegan food, what's the best book out there that's going to help parents? 
I really, really like as a resource for any um, vegan or vegetarian athletes I work with. Um, it's a, well, there's two, the one by Anita Bean, um, and it's called The Vegetarian Athlete, I think. I can double check for you. Um, but it has a little bit of information about nutrients that are a bit more challenging to get on a more plant-based diet. Um, so those nutrients are um, important for both vegans and vegetarians. And then it also um, gives a lot of vegetarian recipes. But actually, when you look at what's in them, a lot of them are vegan or they're really easily made vegan. Um, so if you're thinking, oh, no, I'm vegan, I'm not vegetarian, they're still really helpful. OK. Um, yeah. And what was the other one? Because you said there was two. Well, she's got a runner's cookbook okay. uh, for vegetarians. And I think if you're just looking for some recipes, you might as well get the other one too, because then there's just more recipes. Um, it's aimed at runners, but there's no reason why you can't um, get those recipes. Brilliant. Um, okay, we've got uh, somebody has really paid attention in the video. The video said, and they're pointing their finger at you as they say this, yeah. it was okay to snack an hour before swimming. Would it apply to a full meal? Now, it really depends on the individual. So, um, I mean, I feel like some of the younger boys that I've worked with can do crazy things like eat huge meals and then just dive straight in the pool. And then when I work with a senior male swimmer, they're like, absolutely not. So um, I think it just depends on, um, I guess, the rate of digestion and what that swimmer can do. So if they want to have a full meal and they feel like they can digest it in time, great, but probably they can't so much. So whether they break that up into two smaller portions and move one earlier on or just build, uh, make out of snacks or again, like that sort of mega smoothie where they have it so it's more easily digested. Okay. Um, quite a few more energy drink questions, which hopefully we've, <coughs> we've covered already. Another one about snacks, although this one's a little bit more specific. If you're feeling ill, what would you recommend snack-wise? Well, first thing, if you wake up feeling a bit, I think you're talking about coughs and colds. If you wake up feeling a little bit run down, um, the most important thing you can do is, one, make sure you're getting plenty of fluids. Um, and then make sure that you eat as much as you can that day, as in don't skip any meals. Make sure there's plenty of eating opportunities. You've got lots of snacks and preferably choose carbohydrates in those snacks. So your immune system uses carbohydrates as its fuel source. Um, and then try and pick some nice nutrient dense foods um, that are high in, say, vitamin C and also zinc. So we think about vitamin C, that's uh, strawberries, mangoes, oranges, kiwis, red pepper, pineapple. If you're thinking about zinc, that's things like yogurt and milk, um, lentils, um, lamb, chickpeas. Yeah, so the, the link's a bit more random, but yeah. So just having some um, nutrient-dense foods that day. So even if you just get like a nice fruit smoothie, have plenty of fluids, um, and then really, really think about your sleep and think about how much you're training that day. So you definitely need to have a conversation with your coach. I know it can be quite um, daunting for young swimmers who um, don't want to say that they feel a bit poorly. They might just need to ease off that day, but actually just easing off slightly that day and communicating with your coach that you feel like that um, might, you know, mean that you're actually back to swimming full sooner. Okay. There's another question about more generally uh, amount of training running down the immune system and obviously coming into winter with one or two viruses floating around at the moment. Can we recommend just from a general immune maintenance point of view, what would we would we recommend for the swimmers to be thinking about? I know it sounds really boring, but having a, you know, a wide diet where you're eating plenty of nutrients, lots of uh, fruit and vegetables, fresh fruit and vegetables, Another one, um, this is a little bit tricky to talk about because we we're discussing that we need to be careful about supplements for young swimmers. But one um, that is proving pretty good for immunity is vitamin D that we don't get in the winter. Is that because we live in England and it's miserable and rainy and cloudy all the time? Yeah, that is it, especially in the winter. Yeah. So in the summer, we're absolutely fine, but we need to get vitamin D in the winter. Um, so we have some food sources, but um, it's quite hard to get the amount we need per day, even if we ate all the food sources that day. So that's things like, but definitely include it in your diet, that's eggs, 
um, salmon, mushrooms and cow's milk contain vitamin D. So definitely include those in your diet anyway, if you can. Um, and then um, it might be one that you would look to supplement uh, yourself or for your swimmer as well. Awesome. Okay. Another question about energy drinks, which again, um, I think we've, we've touched on enough already, but hopefully the message is getting across loud and clear for, for, your, for your age and certainly for the type of swimming we're doing and our development journey, we don't need to be worrying about energy drinks right now. Um, can you, I guess just talk a little bit, if we go back to like the Lucasade example, because they say, well, it gives me energy. Can we talk a little bit, I guess, around actually what an energy drink could look like that's perhaps a little bit healthier and appropriate for young athletes? Oh, yeah. If you've got a swimmer that's saying to you like, oh, but it gives me energy. I think it gets not addictive, but you get that, you know, you experience that nice, especially younger um, swimmers. The way their metabolism works is that when they have, um, they're not able to store carbohydrates as well as adults. So a lot of sort of the nutritional advice is prepping them for when they're older. Um, it's definitely applicable now. But if they have um, something like simple carbohydrates, like sugar, that is a leucosate sport, um, for them, it makes them more hyper than it would um, adult. They, their body will be like, right, we're going to make use of this energy we've just got. And they will feel like they're able to exert themselves more in swimming. So it's quite a nice feeling for them. They can go and smash out that session. They feel good. Um, but it might mean that they're not very good for the second hour of the session or they start tailing off or they start like struggling to concentrate. So um, it might be better to think about other carbohydrate sources. So um, there's no reason why they can't have, I don't know, a glass of orange juice and a banana or something. Um, that would actually give them some other vitamins and minerals along with the carbohydrate um, that's easily digested. Okay, fantastic. A um, lot of questions about water, and I did touch on hydration at the start of it, but can we just kind of give our swimmers a little bit of an overview on, not just from a swimming point of view, but actually across the day, why is water so important? Yeah, well, we are. We're just basically bags of salty water. That's what we are. We're um, 70% water. It's, uh, a you know, our blood is 90% water. So it's um, a transportation system. So if we just take the blood, for example, if we're dehydrated, it becomes thicker and it's harder for our body to pump around. Um, sorry, for our heart to pump it around our body. So therefore, the transportation of nutrients and fluids um, and hormones and signals is actually harder. So that's not working as effectively. Um, if you can just imagine a brain not in the skull, it's like super wet, slimy, uh, wobbly tissue. That's because it's, again, really largely made of water. So can you imagine your brain and your skull, which is responsible for how you feel, how happy you feel, your ability to concentrate and react and take on information and, and listen, etc. Um, and control your body to do things in the pool to, you know, make you swim faster. If you think about this big wet tissue in your head, if it gets a bit dehydrated, it actually shrinks a little bit and it's not as effective. Um, and it might be that, you know, you have to get even more dehydrated, then you get a headache and you feel tired and stuff. Um, it's quite amazing the amount of people that I've worked with where I've gone, oh, I really don't think they're drinking enough fluids. And just by increasing it, they're going, oh, I've got so much energy. I just feel so much better. And you're like, I haven't even done anything yet. We're just making sure you're drinking more fluid. Um, so what does that look like for, say, um... I mean, I talked to the swimmers at the start about the, the amount of a, for a training session, but if we if we split it in half, what should young people be drinking roughly in terms of water? And I'm, I'm not going to say fluid because I can already hear the cans of Coke opening and going, well, it's fluid. <laughs> okay, shall I define what I think is fluid? So no, it's not a can of Coke. No, it's not Monster. Um, and it's not wine or beer either for the parents um but it is things like milk fruit juice squash obviously water um those are your your fluids you could have tea and coffee too they actually would count towards your fluid as well um but i haven't met many young swimmers who have a couple of cups of tea a day so you've got your fruit your milk uh your, um and just squashing your water so that counts as your fluid there or those would count as your fluid so if we're thinking of maybe like a a 13-year-old swimmer or a 12-year-old swimmer, 
I'd expect them to have at least three of their sports bottles a day. So the ones they take to the pool with them, at least three of them a day. And if not, that as a minimum. So if you can imagine the fruit juice, the milk you drink, the water and squash, add it up for the whole day and be able to get it into three of those bottles, if not more, great. Um, but yeah, definitely have a little have a little go at just like trying to do like a week where you're just consciously drinking a little bit more and, and see how you feel. Because um, it might have a, a much bigger impact on your your swimming performance and just how you feel in yourself anyway. Fantastic. Um, I've got a, a, a quite a sciencey question here actually, and then I think we can we can rein it back slightly. And they're asking about windows of recovery, specifically with protein. But if we just talk about windows of recovery, what does that mean? Yep, so that's a really great question. So if we think about when we are in the training session we are challenging our body and then it's after the session really our body's saying oh that was really hard um, I want to be able to do that next time I want to be better and be able to do that and then I'm going to put those changes in place to adapt to make sure I am better and your body's a little bit beat up after the training session so it wants to repair and recover so after training it needs the right energy or it needs plenty of energy and the right nutrients and those nutrients are fluids water carbohydrate and protein as well so when we finish training and this is for adults as well our bodies are super efficient at making those changes um, and refilling up our fuel tank and rehydrating and um, going to work and repairing our muscles and if we were to let's say we finish training in the evening we're like mm, I'm not that hungry I'll have a couple of sips of water I'll get in the car for half an hour 40 minutes I'll get out and then I've got to heat up my food. That's another 15 minutes. Um, you know, I have a couple of mouthfuls because it's not really food that I like and I don't want to be too full before bed. And then I get into bed, but then I'm on my phone. All of that sort of, you're really delaying everything. You're actually missing these windows that are open to help you refuel, rehydrate and rebuild. Um, so if I talk about immediately when you finish a session, you're body is super efficient at putting carbohydrates back in the fuel tank and it's really efficient at helping you rehydrate so straight away we're looking to have a small carbohydrate snack shortly followed by either carbohydrate in our dinner or some more snacks um, and then we want to start off the rehydrating by sort of slowly filling in those fluids by just having um, water or squash to keep sipping on for the next hour or so and then we want to make sure we have a protein source. So um, we want to make sure we have that good protein source, which is about um, palm sized portion of your hand of uh, meat or fish. Um, we want to have it about an hour after training, an hour and a half. And that will stimulate your muscles to build and recover too. OK, um, just had another person drop back in on the waiting room, but uh... Hopefully they're back in and joined us. Um, I've got a, a question here about is having three drinks bottles too much for a two hour session? But I guess we're, we're talking about volume of liquid because I'd imagine some of our swimmers have quite little drinks bottles and some of us have huge drinks bottles. So is it more to do with volume? I think what um, so when I said so how much should a swimmer drink? I was talking about over a whole day. Um, so as a minimum, it should be three of the sort of, you know, the uh, TY bottles of like 750 ml, 800 ml bottles. So three of those over the course of a whole day. I absolutely work with swimmers who take two of those and can nearly get through two in a two hour session um, because they're thirsty drinkers and, and they like to do that. So they'll always take two bottles with them. So if they finish the first one within an hour, 45 minutes, they've still got another one that they can tuck into for the last 15 minutes of session. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. And then I guess we're not just talking about a two hour session, because obviously, if they're getting changed, they're doing pre pull they're driving 25 minutes or half an hour in each direction. Actually, a two hour training session could be nearly four hours of their evening. So it's not just for the actual swimming up and down bit, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to go back to it because it's a very direct question. Is Lucas a bad? 
No, I don't think it's it's not necessarily bad. It could be useful in some situations. I wonder, because I haven't really seen many swimmers recently asking or challenging me on LucasAid Sport. Maybe it's making a bit of a comeback. Um, no, I don't think it's bad. It's just sugary water. You could just make it yourself if you just made really strong squash or um, use lots of honey and water, for example. It's just it's just carbohydrate, sugary water. Um it's just, you know, if you have it, you're not going to get any other vitamins and minerals and swimmers really struggle with eating opportunities. So preferably there's better choices. It would be like uh, my seed choice to my A choice, my top top rated choice. So, Okay. Um, uh, a question about dairy. Um, if you are lactose intolerant or you just, you know, don't, don't have dairy products in your diet, what kind of alternatives are we looking at because again we're not just talking about things like protein and fats we're also talking about minerals that potentially you're missing out on so what's your advice on that front yep so um i think we should always be really careful about cutting out whole uh, food groups and dairy is a food group and dairy is a food group that is really useful for growing athletes because of the types of vitamins and minerals in there um so if you are lactose intolerant there's some there's a great range it's got the cow on the front and it's like green and white um and that's lactose free so uh, lactose is a type of sugar in the milk and they've just taken that out and some people are intolerant to that so i would just swap to those sources you still get the same vitamins minerals and protein and carbohydrate in them um if you are more plant-based then I would recommend the next best swap to cow's milk um, or dairy is fortified soya milk. So it's got to be fortified because then it's got the added vitamins and minerals that soya milk's missing, um, but it's almost as close in terms of protein and carbohydrates um, and vitamins and minerals as cow's milk. Um, so it'd be really important that you consciously chose to do that. If you um, went from soy milk to almond milk, really almond, oats, uh, rice milk is just so low in calories. It wouldn't be appropriate for a young swimmer. Um, it would deny them of the calories they get from soya milk or cow's milk, as well as the vitamins and minerals. They're just very watery. They're great for an adult who works at office who just wants a bit of milk in their coffee or something but not for a young swimmer it's got to be fortified soy milk or cow's milk okay fantastic bit of advice there um i've got a question about inhalers whoever asked that can you clarify a little bit more about what you mean because then we can hopefully answer that one um we've got a question actually about the day before a gala but let's let's expand that question out and actually talk about uh i'm racing this weekend what should i have been thinking wednesday thursday and friday Okay, so um, we're coming up to the race weekend. Really, we need to make sure, even if we're doing slightly lighter training sessions, if you are a young swimmer, this is where it'd be different to a senior swimmer. A young swimmer would still need to fuel really well after the light sessions. And the reason for that is because they're growing. They have that extra energy requirement to support their growth. For example, the swimmers in the ISL, they're senior swimmers, they're not growing anymore they um, relative to their size have a less energy requirement. So they might, um, whilst their training is taper, they might actually eat slightly less towards their race. But the, the dangerous thing of doing that, if you're a growing swimmer, is you might get to the end of the week and feel really tired. You're at a bigger risk of injury and illness. So leading up to race weekend, after your training sessions, you need to be fueling really well. You want to maintain hydration over those days so you don't have any dips in hydration level. And then to take you up to the day before swimming gala is again, you want to, you know, maybe just purposely eat a few more snacks and they could be carbohydrate based like rice cakes, an extra slice of toast here, a glass of orange juice there, a little cereal bar here, um, just featuring maybe a couple more little snacks just to make sure you've got that energy stored on board for the next day and then you can just um do your little bites and your little sips throughout race day the next day fantastic um i've got a question really about vitamins so it says what are the most important important vitamins to get during the day so obviously huge topic area as there's quite a few vitamins but if we can just talk about i guess vitamins and minerals in general what's your kind of thoughts on that for young athletes 
yeah no problem I'm a little bit worried my internet was dipping out then so sorry if I break up just tell me um important vitamins and minerals is really they are all important um we just need them in different amounts so really we should be trying to get absolutely all the vitamins and minerals we need because they have all different functions and um, being one can have a negative impact on another one etc so um really there's no ones that um are more important than the others i definitely have some that i know young swimmers struggle to get a bit um and that's probably things like calcium just because of the um not all swimmers but some particularly might struggle because uh we want to really develop our bone mass whilst we're young and this carries on into our 20s so um having a good feed of calcium every day if not twice is really good so that could be a large glass of milk um or a yogurt and there's other vitamins and minerals you get from the yogurt and the milk that would support growth as well okay so hopefully uh, you've all been taking notes there um right uh, another question about water which you've already done um okay question about skipping foods or mi i guess missing meals after a morning session is that going to affect the rest of the day um if you don't eat after that morning session um yes it will have a negative impact on the day because you won't be able to recover as well you're compromising your immune system slightly then because your whole body's been stressed you might put yourself at a bigger risk of injury, especially if you keep this up regularly. Um, and it will have a negative impact on the rest of the day because, um, and I'm sure everybody on this call has done this, where we have rushed around all morning, we haven't eaten enough food, and then get to the evening and we are hungry. So we're more likely to eat food that we don't need, that isn't that nutritious, um, that's going to make us feel good quickly. Um, and then we're probably going to eat a lot more than what we need. And then that might have an impact. Let's say we don't eat very well in the day. We come to our evening session, we're going to be craving Lucas Sport um, or a monster, <laughs> or we're going to want to eat a bag of sweets before we do our evening session, um, or we're going to think oh I'd normally just have a crumpet with some peanut butter and jam but because you didn't eat very well early in the day you're going to be like I'm going to have three crumpets and then feel sick for the first hour of training and not be able to push yourself so okay um I've got a question here that I hope it's a um a question more directed to you than just a poll because that's what it feels like it says are milkshakes or smoothies better and I feel like I'm on a, you know, taskmaster or something here. Oh my God, we could do, do you know, we could actually do a little vote <laughs> using the, the reaction. I'll tell you what, you, are, you answer that question and I'm going to have a go at putting that poll up for everybody to answer. Okay. Um, so our smoothies, um, what was it? Sorry, smoothies and milkshakes. So I guess they could actually really be very similar. So milkshakes, we've got... Um, um, you know, they could just be milk with mixed with Nesquik. They could be the shop bought ones. Um, in terms of a smoothie, I normally think of a smoothie being fruit based. So maybe some fruit juice and then some whole fruit blended up. Um, so it's two different products. But then again, a smoothie could contain milk. So um, neither is for me better than the other. But I definitely know some athletes prefer different ones. So uh, milkshake, we're going to get probably a good source of protein in there, along with the carbohydrates, whereas a smoothie is a fantastic way of getting lots of vitamins and minerals and then some carbohydrate too. Okay, so if we think about that a little bit, because obviously, again, going back, we talked about planning earlier, and actually a lot of our um, swimmers have a, a whole week's training planned out in front of them, so they could say, one day I'm going to have this, one day I'm going to have that. They're going to mix it up. So again, I guess, do you think some of this comes down to actually planning ahead instead of just, like you said, coming in from maybe a, a long day at school and they've not thought ahead and they haven't had the, the right thing at lunchtime or whatever it is, and then they suddenly go for quick, easy food that perhaps isn't the best choice? Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes... Um, maybe swimmers you're not that good at communicating with your parents what you need as well because uh, you've got lots of other stuff going on that's fine um but there'd be no harm in just looking at the week where 
thank God we're back to a routine now where we've got our school, our college, and we've got training sessions, whether they're in the pool or they're out. Um, so what would be great is if you maybe look at your week as seven days, Monday to Sunday, and then you pinpoint all your eating opportunities in your timetable. Um, and then you can have a little look and say, oh, yeah, do you know what? I am going to try and have half a glass of juice I know I don't normally have anything. Let's try and put that here. And actually, look, there's five hours where I'm not eating anything. That really needs to be broken up with a snack um, or a smoothie or milkshake. So, Okay, awesome. Um, Interesting question here. Are milkshakes homemade with cow's milk and ice cream okay to have before a race? Um, I'm going to say the reason why no ice cream before the race is because ice cream... um, fat is uh slightly harder to digest especially for a race so that's why we like to have carbohydrates because protein and fat just take a bit longer to empty out the tummy and feel more heavy so ice cream probably not but a homemade milkshake might be fine about an hour before or an hour and a half before but we need to allow time okay all right fantastic so whether it's training or whether it's competitions, we're going to say no ice cream directly before you get in the pool. And I'm sure there's a lot of swimmers hanging their head in disappointment. Um, I've got a couple more questions that I want to get through. Um, Got a a really good one about actually a recipe. So banana, cocoa powder, peanut butter, chia seeds and milk is a good recovery drink. Yes or no? Yeah, that sounds delicious. I'll have one of those, please. Yeah, if you can send that. Thanks for sharing that recipe. Uh, just (laughs) Just going back to our poll, we've had... 36 people replied to the milkshake or smoothie poll and 75% of you are going for the smoothie. So we're going to leave that open for another minute. If you haven't voted yet, make sure your vote comes in because they all count. Um, Right. I mentioned about the inhaler and we talked about banned substances. Now, somebody has asked about supplements and what happens if you need to take medications such as a steroid based inhaler. Now, are you comfortable answering that? Well, I can answer it. And the um, answer is that my area is nutrition and nutritional supplements. So my sports doctors that I work with, who work with the swimmers we do, they would be responsible for saying, yes, this athlete needs this. It's an important medication to them. And they would sign what's called, it's called a TUE. So it's like a certificate to say, I have prescribed this, or this has been rightly prescribed and this athlete needs it. So I'm sure some of the swimmers for the ISL will have some TUEs for medication that they have to take, but it's not something you need to worry about at this level. So, Yeah, so I'm just, again, giving you guys some examples. Uh, Having been at all the different levels of domestic meat in this country, you probably would not even hear of drugs testing taking place until British Championships, which is the most senior meat in this country. And even then, it would likely only be happening with the senior finalists, i.e. athletes that are likely to go to a World Championships or an Olympics or an ISL. So again, it's just something to be aware of at a young age, but certainly don't worry about it. Um. I'm getting direct messages coming through saying smoothies are better. No, milkshakes are better. The poll would indicate 74% have gone for smoothies. So that is the clear winner of tonight's discussion. Okay. Um, There is one more question (laughs) and it's another LucasAid one. Are you talking about the original LucasAid or the isotonic LucasAid? Now that's a technical question. So when you're saying um, the original Luke's Aid is that the orange fizzy one if so that's more like having a can of coke I wouldn't have anything fizzy before training um because that can cause you sort of a lot of indigestion issues so we try and avoid having fizzy drinks um before training anyway regardless of what they are um the isotonic one is the um, Lucasade Sport. So that's the still one that's orange, normally orange, there's other flavours, um, very sweet drink. Um, I was talking about the Lucasade Sport, so the still one. Okay, thank you very much. Now, we've got uh, a few things that I'm going to send out next week. So I'll send out an audio summary from this call today. Um, I'll also send out the notes about the books that you've mentioned. Um you've obviously did during lockdown some fantastic videos that are actually on swim england's youtube channel um so if you just want to give us a quick overview of about those 
Wow, that really feels like a long time ago now. How crazy is that? Um, so I know I did one nutrition for now because I had a lot of swimmers panicking. They thought I'm not in the pool or I've not got my normal routine. And I guess this really applies for any period. If you are in any of the areas where, um, you know, I don't know if anyone on this call is in the areas where we've gone into almost like a another lockdown as such, or if it ever happens, it's absolutely fine. We don't need to panic nutrition wise. We just need to maintain those good habits, especially at this age. Um, so I did a nutrition for now, but definitely watch it's got some useful tips for maybe home training and stuff like that and things that you can use for um, in the pool. Then I'm pretty sure I did another one on making pancakes at home because they're probably my favorite thing to have as like breakfast before training um or if i did a training session on a sunday morning and i wanted a big uh, recovery feed afterwards i definitely go for these pancakes they're made out of bananas oats and egg um rather than getting out flour and having to weigh it all they're pretty foolproof and you can make as many as you want and have them with whatever you want as well fantastic i'll make sure i include the links to those in the notes that go out as well so the audio recording from today's call including the poll results um, and all the links will go out on our youtube channel next week as well as at all our podcast channels which you can all probably access through your phones um, and i will also include the contact information for jazz if parents have got any more questions but for now uh, swimmers thank you so much again for a lot of questions coming in which have been awesome make sure you join us on wednesday night next week where we're going to have a conversation with myself and the head coach for the regional program this year and again lots of exciting things you can ask there and we're going to talk about anything swimming related within reason so make sure you start thinking about those questions over the weekend but for now thank you very much jazz for sharing your time with us tonight and swimmers thank you so much for some amazing questions thank you again to jasmine there for some wonderful insights and again to our swimmers for such great questions all the contact information you need for Jazz as well as some useful links are in the show notes for you. I know Jazz is particularly active sharing some great tips on Twitter so make sure you give her a follow. We love hearing back from our listeners and growing the network that we can support so please make sure you share the link to this podcast with your friends and add some comments on our social media so we know what you thought. Hopefully you did enjoy the episode and will join us again soon for the Swim England East Region podcast.